If you would uh, open with me, please, in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. And I'll just share with you um, while you're turning there. Um, I, I, I know that you were announcing about the the time to Israel was canceled with Tom Wheeler, but but I know that Steve Price, who's going to be here in a, next month, he he's he and John uh, Heller, I think, are taking a group over to Israel. So, um, do you know when? Yeah, so uh, if if you were planning on going with Tom, I know uh, Brother Steve has been over there several times, and from what I've understood from those that have gone with him, him and he and John do an excellent job. So uh, if, if you really wanted to go, maybe when uh, Steve comes, can talk to him about that. So, uh, uh, and just one other quick thing, my uh, Lord, in the will of the Lord, here in a couple of weeks, my son-in-law. Uh, Jamin Peck and my daughter Elizabeth and their three children are going to be with you all. So um, don't let anything I say or do today in any way affect the way you treat them, okay? Treat them nice. <laughs> no, they're sweet. They're lovely. And uh, I know you're going to enjoy the time with them. Um, it's just a real honor for me and a privilege to be with you all this morning. And I uh, just thought we'd look at the book of Joshua, chapter 1, and um, this morning as well this evening. And and we may not get through the whole chapter, uh, or very far in the chapter this morning, but we'll finish up the, in the will of the Lord this evening. So John, Joshua, chapter 1, and verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place of the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shall I divide the, uh, for inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host, and command the people, saying, Prepare your victuals. For within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go and to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of Jordan. But you shall pass before the, your brethren armed all the mighty men of valor and help them. And to the Lord hath given your brethren rest, as he hath given you, and they shall have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then ye shall return unto the land of your possession, and enjoy it which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side Jordan toward the sunrising. 
And they assured Joshua, saying, All thou commandest us, we will do, and whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandments, and will not hearken unto thy words in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death, only be strong and of good courage. Let's just, uh, let's just pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, how wonderful it is to have the privilege this morning to gather together with Christ in our midst, the Spirit of God, uh, who is that great teacher, uh, the great one who gives us understanding into all things, uh, here in our midst and dwelling us, each individually as believers, and giving us um, the not only the ability to understand the Word, but the power and the grace to apply it in a very practical way to our daily experience, our daily lives. Father, we pray that this morning the Spirit would have great liberty to move among us, that He would meet each individual need as the Word of God that's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword is opened up and uh, meets each one of us at our level that we are right now in our experience and our walk with You and challenges and encourages us to be uh, conformed more to the image of Your dear Son, the Lord Jesus. We pray that Christ would have the preeminence in our midst and that even in the gathering together of Your people this morning, He might receive the glory and the honor for we pray these things in his name, the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So Joshua, of course, <clears throat> I think is a very familiar character to us. And, and I think as we, we think about the history of Joshua, think about the history of the children of Israel, it's something that, that we've known, especially those that have grown up in a meeting like this from the time when you were in Sunday school. And, and, and I think the problem sometimes in with, with Old Testament uh, books, and it's great, I was talking to Malcolm yesterday, how you're going through the Scripture, and when you get done with the book of Acts, now you're going to start Genesis. I think it's so important for us as believers to be familiar with the Word of God and see like what Paul tells the Corinthians, is that these things were written for our learning. Uh, God is a re- has given us a revelation of who He is, of His character, of His attributes, of His person. Uh, Christ is the theme of this book, and we find Him in all the pages. And as we look into the Word of God and see these relative stories and these, these uh, events that, that God determined that He would, out of all the things that took place uh, through these 4,000 years from the time of, of the creation up until the time of Christ, these are the events that He's pulled out of that for us. And, and it's written for our learning. And we can learn from these experiences. We can learn from the children of Israel, the things that they did that, that had dire consequences and avoid those things and the, and the principles that are laid out through those events and also from their successes and learn from that and follow their examples in those things. And so there's, there's a lot of lessons in here. It's not just good Sunday school material or good uh, stories that we can tell our children as we, as we raise them up and they're small, but they're really for us as mature believers in Christ to study out these things and say, why did the Lord uh, determine to record this particular event? What does he have for you and me as believers in the 21st century in the modern day church and our relationship with him? Um, As we said, as I said in my prayer, the word of God is living. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide asunder the soul and the spirit and to be a discerner of not only the thoughts, but also the the intentions, the motives of our hearts that are so desperately wicked, so deceitful that we don't even understand them. And so as you look into the word of God, it's that mirror, it's that thing that the Lord uses through the spirit of God to bring understanding, to bring conviction, to bring about uh, that which he uses to wash us and to 
mold us and to make us more and more like His Son, the Lord Jesus, which is His great desire and plan in our lives. We understand that. So just a real quick, what we're going to do this morning, we're a real quick, just bringing us up to this point, a real quick um, ex- exposition of, of Exodus through through the book of Deuteronomy. You know, when, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they'd been there 400 years, they'd been under slavery. When Moses went in and brought them out, he was the one that God used to be the Savior of the people. To bring that out of Egypt. And in a, in a way, he's a type of the Lord Jesus Christ in that. That the Lord is the one that brought us out of that slavery of sin. That brought us out from under the dominion of, of Satan. That brought us out of the world. Because Pharaoh is a type of Satan. Uh, Egypt is a type of the world. And the Lord brought us out of that. And, and the children of Israel, they come out of Egypt. He brings them out with great power and with great majesty. He brings them up to the border of the Red Sea. And there's the first time where the Lord shows the children of Israel the greatness of His power as they go out on this wilderness journey, which, is, of course, they're going to be on it for 40 years. And, and there they are between a mountain on this side, a mountain on this side. They've got the Red Sea in front of them. They've got the Egyptian army behind them. And what does the Lord say to them? Stand back and see the salvation of God. And so he opens up that water before them. They pass through that. And again, as Paul tells us in Corinthians, that's a picture, a type of baptism. Uh, because what it was, was when they came through that water, it was them in a way breaking off all relationship, all, all um, past um, uh, history, all the past uh, time that they spent in Egypt, leaving that all behind and coming out and being set apart to the Lord. And so, of course, baptism has nothing to do with salvation. Uh, it's simply that manifestation, uh, presentation, outward manifestation of an inward reality that I want everyone to know publicly that I have died with Christ and have been risen with Him unto new life. And so that's what they did. They left Egypt behind. Uh, physically, they left it behind. But sad to say, all the time they were in the wilderness, they continued to murmur, gripe, and complain against the Lord and against His servants, Aaron and Moses. And they continued to say, boy, life was better back in Egypt. Now, it's some of you, dear Christians here, are older than, than Malcolm and myself. And uh, you, it's funny, I was talking to my father-in-law the other day, who's 82, I guess, and he was talking about the good old days. You know, back in the good old days when you had an outhouse and uh, you didn't have any running water in the house and you didn't have electricity, all you had was like a, a either a wood-burning stove or something and you had to get up and break the ice in the bucket to wash your face and then you had to put the fire. Those were the good old days, right? Those were, but see what I'm saying is we don't remember all that all we remember is how simple life was and all the wonderful things where we all lived together as a family we had several generations of the same home we remember the good things about it don't we and that's all the children of Israel remembered they didn't remember the slavery they didn't remember all the hard tasks that they had to perform in Egypt all they remember was the onions and the leeks and all those kind of things and their hearts were never really brought out from Egypt and so when they came to um the Mount Sinai, which the Lord brought them out to, that's where He wanted to reveal Himself to them in, in the, the, the commandments, the law that He gave them. He tells them in Genesis chapter 19, uh, prepare yourself in three days, I'm going to meet with the people, I'm going to speak to the people. Now that's what He says here in Joshua, three days. Three days, or three is the number of resurrection, new life. And so He gives them that opportunity, those three days, to purify themselves, to set away their idols, to set away anything they brought out of Egypt that would be unacceptable before the Lord to cleanse themselves, to prepare themselves, the Lord's going to meet with them. And so in Genesis, or excuse me, Exodus chapter 19, and this is something, this is a misconception I had for years. You know, I thought when they 
I had thought for years, and of course you may not have thought this, you may have, have understood a lot sooner than I did. I thought for years that, that they didn't know the Ten Commandments until Moses came down from the mountain with the two tablets. But they knew it in Genesis chapter, or Exodus chapter 19, because the, it says that the Lord from the mountain spoke to them, and they all heard the Ten Commandments in chapter 19, before Moses ever goes up, well, he goes up before that and talks to the Lord, but before he ever goes up to receive the two tablets. They heard it. And remember the reaction of the people. They told Moses, they said, because it says in Hebrews chapter 12 that even Moses quaked because of the thunder and the lightning and the, and the earthquake and all that took place. They came to Moses and they said, don't speak, don't, tell the Lord, don't speak to us directly. We, we, we don't want to hear the Lord's voice because it's such a terrible, fearful thing. You go talk to the Lord and then come back and tell us what He said. Now, what application is that to us today? Sad to say, I think there's a lot of believers that that's their approach to the Word of God. Uh, we'd rather have the pastor or the teacher or the elder. We'd rather, we want to come on Sunday morning and hear what he has to say. We don't want to spend time studying the Word of God for ourselves. We, we might read the Bible. But we don't want to really get down and try to study because, well, we aren't prepared. We haven't gone to seminary or Bible school or we aren't prepared. We haven't got as much uh, knowledge of the Word of God. So we want somebody else to speak for, for the Lord to us. We all should be students of the Word, right? Now, here's the question. Who's the greatest teacher of God's Word? The Spirit of God, right? And, and the Lord says He's going to lead us into an understanding of all truth. You know, there's nothing in the Bible that is impossible to understand. Uh, Peter said that some of the things Paul wrote were difficult to understand, but there's nothing in the Word of God that's impossible to understand. So why do some brethren have a under, greater understanding of the Word of God than, than I do? It's because, it comes right down to this, well, two things really. Number one, is because they spent more time in the book than I have. And number two, it's because they've yielded themselves to the teaching and the application of God's Word. We homeschooled our children. We had five children. We were on the mission field for, for 10 years in Spain, a couple years down in Peru before that. And, and, and so when we taught our children, I taught them math. And, and before I could teach, and my, oldest, my youngest son, is now he wants to get his PhD in math, so he's gone way beyond me, you know. So, but don't ever tell him that. I haven't. He doesn't know that yet. Anyway, um, when when they were young, I mean, I taught them how their numbers, and I taught them how to add, and I taught them how to subtract and multiply, and divide. And there was an order to that. You see, if they didn't learn their numbers, they could never learn how to add, right? And if they didn't learn how to add, they could never learn how to multiply. And if they didn't learn how to multiply, they couldn't learn how to divide. And if they couldn't learn that, they couldn't learn algebra, et cetera, et cetera. You see, it was a process. They had to learn the basics and apply the basic truths of mathematics in order to be able to go on and learn the higher things, the higher truths of math. Well, the same thing is in the Word of God. If we're unwilling to yield ourselves to the basic teaching of God's Word, He can't take us along. So it's not only an understanding of those things, it's a yieldedness and acceptance and an application of those things to our lives on a daily basis. That's important, brethren. It's very important. And so I see godly men and godly women, and they know and understand more of the Word of God, and I've got to ask myself, why? Are they more intelligent than me? No, it's not based upon human intelligence. It's based upon a yieldedness to the Spirit of God. 
right? It's not going to a Bible school or seminary. It's not going to some uh, great uh, study of God's Word and some great program. No, it's just time spent in the Word of God, on my knees in prayer, seeking out the Spirit of God and yielding myself up to His control. And so um, the children of Israel didn't want that. No, you go and talk to him and then come back and tell us what he says. So Moses, of course, goes up on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. And while he's there, the children of Israel, of course, just like was their custom, murmuring, griping, and complaining. Has anything changed, brethren? Has anything changed? I think it's sad that among Christians today, there's such a critical spirit, especially of the leadership in the local assembly. And, 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 and I was an elder for a while in, in the assembly in Durham where we were, and, and you have to be pretty thick-skinned, and I know the elders here would, would, would attest to that. It, it's just, you know, brethren, instead of criticizing, we ought to be praying more for the leadership. Instead of criticizing, we ought to be praying more. You know, because I'm convinced in my heart that it's the Lord that raises up elders and takes down elders. Right, and, and if we believe that this church belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ, that this is the local expression of the universal body of Christ, the bride of Christ, if we believe that the Lord is sovereign and in control, He can raise up and take down men. And we ought to be praying for those men on our knees that the Lord would give them wisdom and direction. And if they're not qualified, if they're not elders uh, raised up by the Lord and they were just simply placed in that position because of men, then we ought to pray, Lord, take them out of the way. If it's your will. I, I'm going to give you my own experience, okay? There was a brother in an assembly where I was one time that I didn't think was qualified to be an elder. I, he got up and preached and it was just horrible. I mean, I just couldn't, I just couldn't probably put up with it. And as I was reading and studying the scripture, and I was young in the Lord, I, I began to say, um, well, Lord, I want to pray for this brother. And I want to pray that either he stops preaching and you take him away from the older side, or e- either that or, or show me and work in my heart. Well, you know what happened, right? <laughs> the problem wasn't with him, the problem was with me. And the Lord worked in my heart, and I praise the Lord for that. And he became precious to me. He became precious to me. And one of the men that I really admire and look up to is with the Lord now. And I just really appreciate that dear brother in the Lord. But, but it, the, So oftentimes it's not because there's a problem with the oversight. There wasn't a problem with Moses and Aaron. The problem was in the hearts of the people, you see. But they griped and complained. So here was Moses up there. We don't know what happened to this Moses. He's been gone 40 days and 40 nights. We don't know what happened to him. So you make gods for us like we have back in Egypt. Now the thing you've got to realize is the children of Israel were practicing idolatry in Egypt. I mean, they were doing it. There was no doubt about it. Because when Moses said, well, what God do I tell them sent me? You know? They got all these gods. Which which God do I tell them sent me? Remember? And so he said, you tell them I am have sent you. Jehovah has sent you. And so just like Abraham, who was an idolater too, who came from an idolatry people, that's what it says at the end of Joshua chapter 24, he, he, the Lord brought them out of that and unto himself. And you know, every single one of us were idolaters before we came to Christ, weren't we? Every one of us. I mean, I was raised Roman Catholic, and it was a little bit more evident. You know, I was bowing down, praying to to Mary, praying to saints, asking them for the help. That was more evident. But every one of us were idolaters in that we worship something before we worship Christ. Right? It may have been ourselves. It may have just been some concept we had, but we were all idolaters. And the Lord has brought us out of that, but He didn't bring us out of that, He brought us unto Himself. Well, the children of Israel, they, they made that golden calf, and that day they broke every one of the commandments that the Lord had given them just a few days before. Moses comes down, of course, breaks the, the law because they had broken it uh, 
Figuratively, he broke it literally there at the foot of the mountain. And of course, we know there that the children of Israel would judge. That began the beginning of judgment of the children of Israel. And we see that all throughout the history. Well, Moses brings them out. And they brings them right to the border of the land that the Lord had promised them. He brings them to Kadesh Barnea. And we understand uh, from other scripture that it wasn't Moses' idea. It was the children of Israel's idea to send in those 12 spies. And so he brings out one from each tribe and they go in. And of course, all of them saw the exact same thing. It wasn't that Joshua and Caleb saw something different. It was because their perspective was different, right? And again, we see this among some believers. They see the insurmountable um, task that lies in front of us and they don't see it's the Lord's work, it's not ours, right? It's the Lord's work. Uh, we were sharing last night at the missionary meeting. When we went to Spain, uh, we were there for 10 years, and, and we didn't go to Spain to save anybody. We went to Spain to preach the gospel. That's all. That's all we were there to do. That's all the Lord gave us to do, right? Uh, the work of conviction, the work of salvation, is the work of the Spirit of God is not our work at all. It's His. And are we just to preach the Word, to be ready in season and out of season, when it's convenient, when it's not convenient, when it's easy, when it's hard, to give an answer for the hope that's within us? That's it. To testify of Christ. And the work of the Spirit of God is to bring men under conviction of sin and righteousness and judgment and lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that's what we did. We went to the town of Palencia. And other men had gone there and tried to start a work. There was a little Baptist work. There were about 20 people in a town of 85,000. That's all the believers there were. Or at least those who profess to be believers. And, and a brother asked me when we first got there, he said, Mark, if you're here 10 years and you see one person come to Christ, what will you think? And I'll think, praise God. Praise God. You know, because if one person comes to Christ, what a wonderful thing has happened. It's a miracle, isn't it? Every time somebody trusts the Lord. So it's not important how many. It's just faithfulness in the service of the Lord. Well, so here are the children of Israel. They come up to the land. They send these 12 spies in. They all come back. Oh, the, the land is filled with flowing with milk and honey, just like the Lord promised us. It's a land that's so fruitful. Look we, look at this cluster of grapes. We had to bring it between two of us on a pole. It's so gigantic and so wonderful and so fruitful. But there's giants in the lands with walled cities and iron, chariots of iron. And they said, we can't defeat them. And discourage the children of Israel. You know, brethren, there's a lot of discouragement among the Lord's people today. And rather than discouraging one another, we ought to be encouraging one another, shouldn't we? We ought to be building one another up in the work of the Lord. We're almost, the race is almost over, we're almost to the end. We're on the threshold of eternity. You know, I tell people, I know exactly the day the Lord's coming back. I don't know the date, but I know the day. It's today, right? Can't come back yesterday because yesterday's already gone. Can't come back tomorrow because tomorrow never gets here, right? Tell you a quick story. A guy had a, a bread store, and he put on the front of the bread store a free loaf of bread to everybody who comes tomorrow. So he came there the next day, and there was all these ladies standing out in front. He said, what are you all doing here? And they said, we came for our free loaf of bread. He said, I don't think you read the sign right. It says, a free loaf of bread to everybody who comes tomorrow. So the next day, those ladies came along with a whole bunch of other friends and stuff. And he got there and said, what are you all doing here? And they said, we came for our free loaf of bread. He said, I don't think you read the sign right. It says, a free loaf of bread to all come tomorrow. Satan is the God of tomorrow. The Lord is the God of today. Right? The only day that you and I have is today. We don't have tomorrow. Because tomorrow, 24 hours from now, we may be in glory. Right? 
either through death or the rapture, we might be there. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day when you're going to do something for the Lord. You're going to do it. I tell my wife, I make her a promise. And, I, and, and this is not a lie. I tell her, tomorrow I'm going to start a diet. I promise you. Tomorrow I'll start a diet. And I uh, haven't lied to her yet. <laughs> when tomorrow comes, I'll do that. Right? Anyway, the children of Israel didn't believe. They, they, they were discouraged by these ten spies. And here comes Joshua and Caleb and says, everything they told you is absolutely true. And it's absolutely true. We cannot defeat these men. But... But the Lord can. The Lord can. Any work that you do in this assembly, whether it's evangelism, any kind of outreach, anything you do in this assembly, you all can't do it. I guarantee you can't do it, but the Lord can do it. And the Lord will do it for His glory. He will. And so um, they turn back. They're going to go back to Egypt. And of course, the plague comes in among them and the Lord uh, punishes them for their unbelief. And just what characterized their time in the wilderness, it says in the book of Hebrews, was unbelief. They couldn't enter into the Lord's rest because of unbelief, because of unbelief, because of unbelief. And so the, uh, they, then they decide they're going to go in. Of course, they, they die before the army because the Lord wasn't with them in that. The Lord wasn't with them. So what happens? Uh, they, were in the city, they were in the land for 40 days. So the Lord says, for the same amount of time you were in there spying out the land, you're going to be in the desert, wandering through the desert for 40 years. Now, I want you to understand, when we look at the type of Israel, we can't see Israel as, the, um, as a type of, of um, uh, it's, it's, it's a type of believers today in the sense that, that um, there are some believers today, because they were believers. Israel pictures believers that have come out of Egypt, come across the, the Red Sea, they've been set apart. They're a type of the believer today, but there's different aspects. So different types of believers that they picture for us. When, when they were in the wilderness, those were the believers that are like today that have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, they're saved, they're born again, and yet they're not fully separated in their hearts from the things of the world. They've still got a love for the things of the world. They've still got a desire for some of those things. And sad to say, from time to time, they still depart and participate in some of those things. Okay? And it's sad. Uh, they're not fully separated in their hearts and minds. Okay? And so that's what it pictures the children of Israel there. So they wander through the wilderness for 40 years. I, I want to say another thing. The, the first time you see Joshua's name mentioned is when the children of Israel uh, fought Amalek. Now, the Amalekites were a people that were a nomadic people that traveled throughout that area, never really settled down anywhere, but they would attack different towns and different areas. Remember, David fought them as well back um, when he was went off of the Philistines to fight uh, Saul, but came back and the Amalekites had come in and, and taken away all his family and all their possessions and gone down, and he fought against them there. Well, Amalek is a type of the flesh. And what Amalek did was, they they started to attack Israel, uh, the the ones that were on the outskirts, kind of on the on the fringe of the of the tribe of the of the of the camp of Israel. And brethren, this is why it's so important for us. This is what it is pictures. It, it, we as believers need to spend time with believers. Uh, the, the writer of the Hebrews says in chapter 10 and verse 24, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Brother, we don't come to the meetings of the assembly to get something. We should come to the meetings of the assembly to give. To exercise those spiritual gifts that the Lord has entrusted us with to the benefit of of the assembly gathered together under the person of Christ to meet him in that way that is different than any other time because he says where two or three are gathered together in my name there I am in the midst 
And so we come with that attitude because we need that. Here's what happens. Here's what the flesh says to us. When we get discouraged, when some problems come in our lives, you know what we, the tendency of us is? Stay home. Stay home. What we should be doing when those times come in our lives, we should be drawn even closer to believers to be encouraged by them and to encourage them as well. These are out on the fringe. And the flesh, that's what they attack. The weak, the ones that are kind of on the outside. The flesh begins to attack. So you remember what happened. Uh, Moses was up on the mountain. And here's a beautiful picture between Moses and, and Joshua of the, of the ministry of Christ today for the believers. Moses up on the mountain making intercession. Remember when he had his held, hands, held his hands up? The children of Israel were winning a battle. When he put his hands down, they were losing. And so Aaron and Ur come along. They put Moses on a rock and they stand and they help hold up his hands. And together they intercede with him. You know, there's a picture of the Lord Jesus there. But then Joshua was down as the captain of the Lord's army. He was down fighting the battle and leading them to victory. And isn't that true with the Lord Jesus Christ today? The captain of our salvation, we are more than conquerors. The verse doesn't end there. Praise the Lord. We're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. He has given us the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, right? And that's what we've got to remember. The Lord does all the, the work. He does all the battle. We just get to enjoy the benefits of it, of all that He does. And so that's a picture of Moses. Uh, Moses and Joshua are a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ in His intercession as our mediators, our high priest before the Father, and also uh, fighting the battle for us here in the world today. So um, that's the first time you see Joshua. But he was also Moses' servant. And it's, it's interesting to note, and I would just say this, especially the young people. I shared this yesterday at the missionary meeting. It says in Luke chapter 16 and verse 10, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Be faithful in little things, especially as a young person. Be faithful in little things. I, was, I, I told the story about when we wanted to go to the mission field, we went to the elders in the assembly and said, we'd like to go to the mission field. They said, well, that's fine, but you're not ready yet. Uh, so I said, okay. I thought, man, they're going to put me up on a platform. I'm going to start speaking, you know, and all this. And no, here's what they said to me. They said, Mark, we've got a, a Bible club on Saturdays, and we need somebody to drive the van. Would you drive the van to pick up these little kids on Saturday? Okay. I don't see how, what that has to do with being a missionary, but I'll do that, you know. Then they came to me and said, uh, would you mow the grass? And they came to me later and said, would you clean the chapel? And then when they came to me and finally said, would you teach a little Sunday school class? And this went on for four years like this. So they finally said, would you just share a little thought on Wednesday night, a 15-minute thought on Wednesday I was shaking in my boots by that time. I thought, man, if you've got to do all this just to speak you know, for 15 minutes, it's, I mean, it's an important thing, right? But I, And during all that time, you hear I'm a young guy, I'm chomping at the bit, ready to go to Peru, you know, because I was going to be the great one, that, the, you know, the, the one who went down there and be the great white hope for Peru and all people are going to come to Christ through me. And You know, as you're a young man, you have these great thoughts about yourself, you know? And uh, now I've been married 30 years, and you know how that goes. Anyway, um, <clears throat> my wife has put me in my place enough, you know. Um, rightfully so, rightfully so. She's a wonderful woman. Anyway, so, um, but, but just to realize that they were faithful in those little things. And so I was thinking, well, what has this got to do with what are these guys doing? But they were so wise. Because really, in the work of the Lord, no matter what it is, even as an elder in an assembly, it's, it's not the teaching and preaching. It's service. It's just being a servant. Even the Lord Jesus Christ said, The Lord Himself said, I did not come to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give my life a ransom for many. I mean, when you think about it, He was a servant. And that's the whole presentation in the Gospel of Mark. He's the servant 
of the Lord. The man, uh, uh, the, the Son of God, who's the servant of the Lord. And so we're to be servants one to another. And so really just be faithful in those little things that seem so mundane, so unimportant, because the Lord says what He sees, He's going to reward. You may not get the praise of men, but the praise of the Lord is so much better, isn't it? And so be faithful in those things, and the Lord will open up opportunities. Gift will make room for itself. It really will. And so here was Joshua. It says in chapter 1, he was a a servant of Moses. And so he served Moses all throughout this time. Well, again, Moses and Joshua give us a beautiful picture together of the minister of the salvation of Christ, right? The ministry of Christ as Savior. Because Moses brought them out, but he didn't bring them in. Joshua brought them into the land. The promised land. Now, now going into, into, into the promised land doesn't typify heaven, enters into heaven, because all these were believers out here in type, right? What it, what it really typifies is entering into the fullness of a relationship and a blessings of the Lord. In other words, there's some brethren and sisters that we know that they just they just exhume Christ, don't you? You know what I mean? In other words, you can tell they walk with the Lord, and it's just such a beautiful relationship, and, and it's, they're just not burdened down by the cares of this life. It's like what it says in Hebrews chapter twelve, laying aside everything that impedes us in the race. Okay, and the type there is, you know, I can run a race, I can run a marathon. Well, I can't run a marathon, but some people can run a marathon, and there's no rules. You could wear, you could wear like leg weights, and you could wear, you know, a heavy jacket, and you could wear blue jeans, and you could wear all these things, and you can run the race. They can't stop you from running that stuff. But when you see these guys run their marathons, they run these little thin pants that you know almost see through, and just almost little shirts that are. Why do they do that? So they don't get weighed down. So they can run the race well. Well, brethren, there's a lot of things in this world that aren't necessarily bad, but they can weigh us down and they can keep us from running the race well. And what the Lord wants us to do is set those things aside and run the race well. And so a lot of believers have have been able to enter into that fullness of that blessing and the relationship with the Lord Jesus and just the fullness of resting in Christ. Just resting. That's because that's what the, the promised land was, was that place of rest that God had promised. And so, uh, and, and I, I can't say that I fully entered into that myself. But, you know, it's just such a wonderful thing, those that have. So Joshua brought them in. Well, here's why Moses, and this is amazing. Uh, Moses was a great man of patience. He was a humble man. And, and you know, that humility and patience go hand in glove. Think about this just a moment. The only time you and I are impatient with somebody is when we think we're superior to them. Okay? Like, I can play tennis with somebody that plays really well, and I never lose my patience with them because I'm the one that's always hitting it into the net or hitting it out. But when I play with, like, my wife, I just, oh, it drives me crazy. I hit the ball to her and it goes in the net. Hit the ball to her and out of the thing. Hit the ball to her and it's like, you know, because I think I'm better than she is, right? And so I lose patience with her. Moses was a man that was so humble, and we see it all throughout his, his life, and he was patient with the people. Well, 40 years he put up with their murmuring, griping, and complaining, until one day when they said, we want water again, and God said, speak to the rock this time. Remember the first time he said, strike the rock, and that rock was a picture of Christ and the suffering, that the, the, the living water came out, the fountain of water came out. Beautiful picture there of what he talked about in John chapter 4 with the Samaritan woman. And, uh, and so Moses goes to the rock, and instead of speaking to it, he hits the rock twice. 
And God says, because of that single act of disobedience, you cannot go into the land of promise and leave the children. And you say, how unfair. I mean, 40 years he put up with people. And who wouldn't have said finally, you want water? I'll give you water. Bam, bam, and hit the rock. Why was this so important? Brother, here's a lesson for us. When God says something in His Word, He doesn't have to say it more than once. It's important. It's important. I know some people come to me and they say, for example, and this is one example, I'm not harping on this, but I'll say, well, there's only one place in all the Bible that talks about the head covering, so why, do we have to, why is it so important? Well, it's so important because it's in the Word of God. <laughs> and because it touches the person and work of Christ. It manifests the headship of Christ in, in our lives individually as well as collectively as a body. And so here was, here's what Moses did. He mis, misrepresented Christ to the people. Christ, how many times did he suffer and die? Once. Never to be sacrificed again. Never to suffer again. It says that in Hebrews chapter 9 and chapter 10. He died once for all. Never. He'll come again the second time in power and glory and judgment. The first time he came in humility and, and death and salvation. And so because of that misrepresentation of the person and work of Christ, that one moment of weakness, Moses didn't get her into the land of promise. So Joshua is the one. And so Moses talks to Joshua in Numbers, excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter 31, and three times he says to Joshua, you be strong and courageous. You be strong and courageous. You be strong and courageous. We're going to get a little bit more into this tonight because time's running out. I just want to make a couple of things that I want to say this morning, just in case there's someone not here this evening. The Lord says to Moses, or excuse me, to Joshua three times in Joshua chapter 1, you be strong and courageous. And at the end of the book, or the end of the chapter, in chapter, uh, or verse 18, the, the people say to Joshua, you be strong and courageous. Seven times. You be strong and courageous. Now, seven in the scriptures is the number of completion, excuse me, the number of perfection. So, I think the Lord had a message for Joshua uh, through Moses, through the servant, through the Lord Himself, and through the people. And I think it's a message He wants for us today. You be strong and you be courageous. You be strong. And courageous. Now, I'm going to talk a little about that a little bit more this evening because we're running out of time. But, but I want to make this statement at, in chapter uh, one and verse eight. One of the first verses that I learned when I when I got saved, I, I got saved just reading the scripture on my own. Uh, uh, met some brethren not long after that, and they gave me this. One brother gave me this little card for the navigators to memorize verses. And one of the first verses on there was Joshua one eight. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Uh, uh, to observe, be careful to do according to all that is written therein. Uh, then shall thou make the way prosperous. Then shall thou have good success. Anyway, um, I, I want to make this say, the Word of God is so important, brethren. We should spend time in the Word every day. You'll never waste time in the Word. It says in Second Timothy chapter three and verse sixteen, uh, the, the the that the word of God is inspired. It's God breathed and it's profitable. We'll waste time watching TV. We'll waste time um, reading the newspaper. We'll waste time playing games. We'll waste time in a lot of things. But every moment you spend in the word of God is profitable. Isn't that wonderful? It'll always bring a good return. And here's what we ought to do with the word of God: we ought to read it. Um, if you read three and a half chapters a day, which takes about 15 minutes, 
you ought to be able to read through the whole Bible in a year. I think every believer ought to read through the Bible at least once a year. Now, that's, that's, just, that's just, a, a, just a word of encouragement to you. Because I think what we end up happening with many of us is we read portions that are familiar to us, portions that we like, but there's so much in the Word of God that we don't have any clue about. And when you read the Scriptures through, a year, every once a year at least, you get an overall view of how everything fits so beautifully together. Second thing we ought to be doing is we ought to be meditating on the Word of God. I spend a lot of time driving. And, and what I do is I turn the radio off and I just talk to the Lord, Spirit of God, and just muse upon those things. And the Spirit of God speaks to us so much in those times when we're just quiet before, even driving down the road or laying in bed at night or just, just sitting in a chair, just thinking about those things. Third thing we ought to be doing is memorizing God's Word. Uh, with that verse that we had this morning, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Hide in your heart. Hide in your heart. So the Spirit of God has tools, instruments to use in those times of difficulty, in those times of temptation to draw us to Himself. And then we ought to be students of the Word. We ought to be studying the Word of God. There's a big difference between reading and studying. Okay, we can read it, and we all should read it, but we should all be studying the Word of God, whether it's a theme, whether it's a book, whether it's a character, whatever it is, we should be all students of the Word. Because again, it's not based on human intelligence. It's based upon the Spirit of God and His indwelling and His teaching. And I want to say this, and this is what we're going to close with. Just encourage you, don't fill your mind with the Word of God. Fill your heart with the Word of God. There's so many people, my brother's a Roman Catholic priest, okay? unsaved, lost. Um, he has a knowledge, a head knowledge of this book. He doesn't believe it. He doesn't believe in he believes in evolution and I can tell you a lot. He doesn't believe in the miracles of the Lord. A lot of things he doesn't believe. But he has a head knowledge of it. But he doesn't believe it in his heart. And what does the word of God say? Not out of the abundance of the mind does a man speak, but he says out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Fill your heart with the word of God. If you fill your heart with the Word of God, it's going to have an effect on your life. It's not just going to be something academic. It's not going to be something just scholastic. It's going to be something that's going to be real to you. And that's where the work of the Spirit of God takes place is in the hearts of us. And then the effect is on the mind, right? Then the effect is upon our, 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 the exterior. It comes from deep inside and comes out of that, not from the outside in, right? And so fill your heart with the Word of God, brethren. Spend time. It's a wonderful book. It's a precious book. And, and we take it for granted, I think, so many times here in America. And some of our dear brethren around the world, if they had one page of this book, they would, know it, they would know it by memory. They would just study it and just eat it up because it's so precious to them. And because we have such access and such freedom, sometimes familiarity breeds contempt. Sad. So, brethren, just be encouraged by that be encouraged be strong courageous in the lord and again we'll we'll get into that more tonight and just fill your heart your mind your whole being with the person the word of god the person of christ the spirit of god that he might have liberty to lead you into more conformity to himself our father and our god in heaven thank you so much for our time together this morning and we we know that there's so much more that we could have looked into here we asked for direction for tonight exactly what what to share and what to look into. And I pray for the dear dear saints here in this assembly that you might encourage and challenge their hearts by the word that the Spirit of God might take that uh, word that's been preached and the word that's been read this morning and, and just bring it into the very hearts and lives of the believers here to challenge them to be more like your Son, the Lord Jesus. And Father, if there's someone here this morning without, out, without Christ that doesn't have that full assurance that if they left this world today, they'd immediately be in the presence of the Lord, uh, they might even have made some kind of of 
uh, intellectual assent. They might say, well, we agree with these things intellectually, but yet it says, the Word of God says, that if you believe in your heart, uh, you'll be saved. And so, Father, that you might take that Word from their mind and drive it into the depths of their being and bring them under conviction of sin and righteousness and judgment, that today might be the day that they turn away from uh, uh trusting in themselves or in some other thing and put their whole trust uh, uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone for the hope of eternal life and for forgiveness of their sins. Father, do a great work, not because we deserve it, but because you deserve it for the great price that you've paid. And we'll give you the praise and the glory as we ask these things through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you all so much.